the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, there's nothing like the Old Testament to give us beautiful foreshadowings of Christ. And here in Judges 15, verses 11 through 19, we have one of those foreshadowings of our redemption. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Way of Grace from Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward and online at grace-bible.com. Judges 15, verses 11 through 19, Samson, loose him. It is, as I mentioned, a foreshadowing of our redemption, an act of rebellion that is permitted for the purpose of redemption as well. Here's Pastor Jesse with all the details on this edition of Way of Grace. I shared with you last week that our Lord Jesus Christ, understanding the battle in heaven, gave the promise unto his disciples. And starting with Peter, he said, Simon Peter, I give unto you the authority of the kingdom of God. And whatsoever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. That means heaven always acts first. But then it also expects for us to act in response. Whatsoever you lose on earth will also, therefore, having already been loosed in heaven. What the saints are learning rightly at grace under the doctrine of sanctification is that God works in us the will and to do of his good pleasure. He fully expects you to join him in the battle. And he promises the victory for everyone that stands with him. That's what you see going on in the midst of this conflict between Samson and the Philistines. We're looking over at verse 11 of our text, chapter 15, verse 11. And we see something that we had to recognize as an oddity last week. And I'm going to explain to you what's going on here as a paradigm, as a model, as a foreshadow of what you and I can be predictably sure of. And that is the very people that Samson loved and cared about were the ones that betrayed him and bound him. You should not miss that. That should change your attitude about Samson if you see the greater Samson. It should help you understand where you are because Samson helps us to see that we're in a pretty precarious state. That's why I say, Samson, loose him, Lord. Loose Samson, Lord. Let him go. 
Because if you don't, we will keep swearing that the Philistines rule over us. So the text tells us then 3,000 men of Judah went up to the top of the rock Etam and said to Samson, knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? That was obvious. Wasn't that obvious? Like, what are you telling Samson? The boy was born for this hour. He knew that the Philistines ruled over you. He was honed and shaped and formed strategically as God's single solo servant to set you free. You're not telling him anything new. But you see, the insight we get into that is how whosoever rules over you dominates your motivational thinking. It dominates the, the narrative that comes out of your mouth. It dominates your confession. And so Samson had to deal with a very clear and obvious predisposition on the part of the very people he's coming to save. They're telling him, we don't want you to save us. We don't want you to save us. We're fine being in bondage to the flesh. Is that right? We're just, we're just, we're so glad to be in bondage to the Philistines. We're letting everybody know they rule over us. Do you hear the echo jumping from around 1300 B.C. to A.D. 33 in John's Gospel, chapter 19? We have no king but Caesar. Yeah, you see it now, right? All right? So the Bible is given to us for our what? Learning. That we might, through comfort and patience of the scriptures, find hope. That's what the narrative brings before us, but it certainly lets us know the, the contradiction of relationship between a loving God and his his broken people. And the text goes on to tell us as we are looking at it here in verse 12. And they said unto him, we are come down to bind you that you may deliver that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, swear unto me that you will not fall upon me and kill me yourselves. Now let's slow down and understand what just happened. Because you're going to see this pathology in our dear brother. You're going to see why God called him to be a Nazarite. It's a unique calling of absolute consecration to the will of God that doesn't make sense to the person who is not a Nazarite. The behavior, the discipline, the consecration, the separation, the isolation, the external modality of his unique uh, apparel and dress not to not mention the length of his hair, which is what I'm going to get into in a moment. All of these are, uh, we would call them means and, and symbols of his calling to be absolutely, totally submissive to his God, which none of us are. I don't think there's one person in the room that could legitimately, without being afraid of the earth opening up and swallowing them up, call themselves a Nazarite. There's only three I know, Samson, John the Baptist, and Jesus. And all three of them, they tried to kill and did kill because they loved their God to the death. 
Yeah, we want to appreciate Samson and we want to constantly deliver him from the Philistine culture that would make him to be some kind of weird guy we can expense with or dispense with. No, Samson's more than that. But as I stated earlier, saints, I see this very paradoxical truth running through the life of Samson that I cannot miss. I hope you don't either, because Samson describes for us the relentless love of God in spite of our betrayal. He's still going to do God's will for God's glory and the good of God's people. Isn't that a foreshadow of our great Savior? That's what I love about sin. You're not going to find many people, saints, that are willing to lay down their life for you, even among church folk. Now, you know they got to have an anointing (laughs) if they're going to lay down their life for you. Is that right? This is why we exalt Christ eminently. Not only did he do it, he did it well. Every believer is called to it in some fashion or form or another. If you and I were drilling down momentarily into sanctification, I can tell you, I see a sanctified man here. Do you? I mean, a real sanctified man. The first thing you need to know about sanctification is all hell is going to break loose on you if you really take God seriously. You just need to know that. But the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of the father by his son and that through the church as Samson is a member there. uh, We'll see that in our next message as he deviates from the path for a moment. And we can learn something about that because we all do, don't we? So here Samson said, promise that you will not be the ones that kill me. That's amazing because if they said, no, we're going to kill you, Samson, Samson would have wiped them out right then and there. Because he would say, oh, y'all totally missed the mission here. I'm not after you. I'm after your ruler. But uh, you're going to get in the way. So they were smart enough to say, no, we want to exercise hypocritical, self-righteous, religious technicalities. This is a feast day, so we can't kill him ourselves. Let's let the Roman Empire kill him. And our hands will be clean of his blood. So says the reprobate mind that thinks they'll get away with that irrational argument. Y'all see where I'm going, right? You see, I'm straddling you between the old and the new. I'm not going to let you go. This book is about Jesus. And it's about the relentless love of a God through his son who is able to immutably accomplish God's purpose for his good and our salvation. And we read over in verse uh, 14, these words, I'm sorry, verse 13. And they speak unto him saying, no, but we will bind you really fast. Now, if this was me right now, I'd put a parenthesis there and go, but yeah, God going to lose him really fast. Since you want to play games with binding the strong man, I'm going to let you know he's going to get loose really fast. But just erase that from the narrative because that's just me. I know the end of the story. And when you do know the end of the story, you can fill in all the gaps, can't you? And enjoy the narrative. And I'm going to talk about that here in a moment. So it goes on to say, and they bound him with two new cords and brought him up from the rock. Now we got to get some new cords for this brother. Now these are uh, what are called mariner 
mariner cords. These are uh, cords for the uh, strapping down of the sails on a ship. These are not your threads for making chairs. These are threefold intertwined cords for maintaining the direction of a big vessel at the sails. They were also used for tying down oxen and keeping them in a trajectory so they could be useful in their labors. These are some ropes. Aren't they some ropes? These brothers are serious about holding Samson down. They want the Philistines to rule over them. Y'all see that? No, don't go. Don't get used rope. Get new rope. I'm headed to Gethsemane. Go get new rope. Rope never a man ever used before. We need the kind of rope we can be sure that it hasn't been injured by some kind of stress test. After all, the people that made the rope assured us. That's where we are today, right? We assure you the bridge will hold up. We assure you that the car won't fail. We assure you that our drugs work. So you know I'm just laying a foundation, right? It's important for you to get this. And they took the cords and they bound that brother and they brought him up from the rock. This is a sad, sad, again, ignominious paradox. Here the rock, here is that place where our brother hid to be refreshed. And that rock is Christ. And here these religious folk had the privilege of entering into that mystery of redemption for a moment only to take him who typifies Christ up out of the rock and expose him to their adversaries. But don't miss it. Samson went willingly. Did he not? Yes. You see the Lord, don't you? You see him, don't you? It's kind of funny when you read the Bible with what I shared with you, the fivefold um, characteristics and, and, and um, qualities of, of the will of God. I told you that the will of God is understood first and foremost as at its height in terms of the nature in God as the secret will of God. Did I teach you that? Deuteronomy 29, 29. There are things about God's will, ways, and doings that you will never know. You don't need to. And there are times when God is working out stuff that just will just cause you to be discombobulated in your mind. Now you have to default from intellect to simply resting in God. That really shows you whether or not you're a child of God. Can you rest not knowing what God is up to? And then I told you there is what is called the sovereign will of God relative to God doing what he will do and bringing to pass his will. And when you see it done, you can know that that was God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will is revealed in his providential actions by which we say, oh, this is the Lord. And I share it with you that there is also what we call scripturally the preceptive will of God. Didn't I tell you that? That the preceptive will of God is everything that God has written, particularly in mandates and imperatives and commandments for you and I to do. And I said, because you and I obviously live in a world where God doesn't kill anybody the first time (laughs) <laughs> he, they violate his law. Then there must be another category called what? The permissive will of God. Because if, if he didn't permit it, it wouldn't happen. He allows us to sin, to show us that we're slaves of sin. We're not free. 
We're free from righteousness, but we're not free from sin. And when God comes to rescue us, he's rescuing people who are slaves of sin. That's what these Jews are, slaves of the Philistines. There's no middle ground. There's no free will in that sense. Please understand that your free will is bound to your nature. This is what makes this whole account so beautiful because everybody that Samson is seeking to care for is walking hostile to him. If God waited for you to love him, he'd never have anyone loving him. Love starts with God. We love him because he first loved us. And if you will ever be saved, God will have to come get you because you'll stay stuck in your sin. Happy about it and die and go to hell. This is why your Bible says he's the God that hunts us down from the beginning of time to the end. Isn't God the one who comes after us? After Adam, after Noah, after Abraham, after Isaac, after Jacob, after Moses, after the children of Israel. After you and after me. He's good, isn't he good? I'm glad we have a big God. I really am. I'm glad we have a God that is so large in the infinitude of his person that he's not exhausted at hunting us down because we like to hide from him. Ain't nowhere to hide from a God that loves you. (laughs) Ain't nowhere to hide. Now I'm thinking about earth, wind, and fire. You can't hide love. That'll show up for some of y'all in a minute. So look at the text because it's getting ready to happen. And when he came to Lehi, that is the high mountain, uh, the Philistines shouted against him. Do you see that? They never should have done that. This is where they made their mistake. The Philistines made their mistake by shouting when they saw Samson bound by his own Jewish brethren because they were presumptuous. In their mind, they made an assumption. They made a calculated risk that was woefully wrong. See, when you shout, you are asserting victory. When you shout, you are asserting triumph. When you shout, you are asserting celebratory thoughts of already having subdued your your foes. But this was an optical illusion, wasn't it? I told you that's how it goes with the people of God. Let me teach you for a minute. God must frequently let you and I be bound. God must frequently let you and I be bound so you you and I can know that we have no strength in ourselves to accomplish anything. Does that make some sense, child of God? So now if, if Samson knows his God, like I know he knows his God because Samson was taught well by his mom and daddy, was he not? I know that Samson knows this. God didn't bring me this far to let me go now. I don't care what my circumstance is. I don't care what it looks like. I know this. God doesn't start something that he does not finish. He who has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. See, so I can tell you, Samson, 
was resting in the cleft of the rock that walked up out of the cleft with him on his way to a battle that some folks did not know was just about to happen. Another good old country tail whipping is about to occur. Am I making some sense? And I love this. This is God. This is God. You know your, your God is a man of war. Do you know that? All right. And so you heard it explicated briefly by our, our worship leader, Stephen, when he spoke about worship as a warfare. And warfare is a, a worship call. Worship is a warfare. And warfare is a call to what? Worship is a warfare. And warfare is a call to what? That's all through your Bible. That's all through your Bible. And when the soul is dispositioned to worship God in the midst of the battle, it means that the soul has now been taught that the victory belongs to God. It belongs to God. And so this is what we've got going on in front of us. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistine shouted against him. And what? The spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Now, this is such a beautiful insight for you and I to investigate. Just nurture this just for a moment. The spirit of the Lord showed up in the case of Samson every time Samson was in trouble. Every time he was confronted with a situation that would abort his mission. And that's because when God has called you to do something, he is available to help you get it done. But he did not tell you you weren't going to have obstacles along the way. What he said was, I will be with you, whether in the fire or in the water, and no evil thing will ultimately occur. And the beauty of seeing how the Spirit of God shows up in Samson's life at the time that Samson needs him is because we have stated it many, many times, God cannot lie, God cannot change, and God will not what? And that's why he's here now. God's showing up because God's about to show out one more time if you and I would be leaning into the example here. And how many times has God done that in your life? How many times has God just rushed on in like a mighty wind and raised up a standard against the floods of the adversary that came after you? My soul had just about been swallowed up if it had not been for the Lord who rushed on in and stopped the waves and the billows from going over my head. See, y'all should be able to sing that song because, see, Samson getting ready to sing again. Do y'all know that? He getting ready to sing. I told you that brother was a, he was a theological rap artist. He's getting ready to do it again. See, because you sing when you see the Lord's glory in the midst of your warfare. You sing unto the Lord. You give praises and thanksgiving unto God in the midst of your adversaries when he shows up like that. Samson can teach you something about worship. He sure can. He can teach you something about worship. And so we see it. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire and his hands loosed from off him. We'll stop right there. Let's work through two fundamental points, a foreshadow of our redemption. I think most of you are sold out on it. This will keep you safe as a Christian. All your Bible ultimately does is point to who? 
Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. And the joy of that revelation is that we get to see him over and over and over show up in all of the different kind of narrative situations and conditions as all of his names would infer to rescue us, right? If he's Jehovah Jireh, he will provide. If he's Jehovah Rapha, he will heal us. If he is Jehovah Shema, he will be there. If he's Jehovah Sikinyu, he will prove to be the Lord, our righteousness. He has names, infinite names. You heard it today, and they were all insignated on a crown. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30. Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30. Directions and information again at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.